you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals a priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Also, G Suite by Google Cloud is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that (laughs) includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. You can make real time updates to the same document without having to keep track of multiple versions and since all the tools are cloud-based your whole team can access the same doc and work on the same page at the same time make it with g suite by google cloud to find out more visit gsuite.com the around the nfl podcast wishes they were still in london welcome to another edition of the around the nfl podcast my name is dan hansis and i'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I feel like we're in a good groove right now. All the boys are together. Ain't no little C. Ain't no big C. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And uh, football season's in full swing. Good games, good bros, good brews. And, and twins. And twins. <laughs> the fact, Dan, that you overcame that uh, cold that you had. It was a bad one. That was a rough one. It it just says a lot about you. Wes, nice job by you also uh, with your struggle that you overcame. That was fine. This is more recent. It's it's old news. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Dan is the one I would point to and just say, very impressive. I'm thriving. Yeah. It's a rough, rough, uh, you know, few days for you. It was bad. It was a bad week, but that's in the past. It was a good week. In the NFL, huh, Greg Rosenthal? How about the ending of these games, guys? You know, football's crazy. Just a play here, a play there. A bunch of different teams could have won today. <laughs> Are you reading off a script of a bad podcast? Greg is totally checked out. Basically like 98% of football podcasts, that was that was the open. So you're subverting it. That's what you're doing. Take us through that thought process. You have to analyze it. You know, I'm just the artist. You guys come up with it. You uh, anarchist. But he's right. Greg's right. Um and a crazy weeks, a week seven Sunday in the NFL. Um, you know, when you put together the rundown of the games, how we're going to talk about them in order. Sometimes, some weeks it's like, I don't know what we're going to talk about first or second. There's not a lot of great games. This week, you could have made the case for five or six games leading off uh, because we had a lot of great endings, uh, some heartbreak, and uh, some outrageous things going on with my favorite NFL player, which we'll get to a little bit so later. So you picked the Jets to, to be the first game we discussed. Right, that's what everyone's talking So we talking lead about. off with gangrene. <laughs> uh, no, we will uh, start today uh, by digging into one team in the NFL had the greatest comeback in the history of their organization. Now, granted, the organization has only been around since 1995, but still, that's pretty cool. Let's start there. Wentz. Back. He's looking. He is hit. The football comes loose. Scramble for the ball. And it is recovered by Carolina, and the game is over. He held it too long. Wentz held the ball too long. And as well as he has played, 
but three quarters in this last minute or so, he made several critical mistakes. Ooh, Merrill Reese of WIP, the Philly legend, goes in on Carson Wentz. We'll get to that in a bit. On fourth down with the game hanging in the balance, Wes Horton sacked Carson Wentz, forced the fumble, the turnover, the final piece, and a stunning 21-17 comeback win for the Carolina Panthers on the road against the defending champion Eagles. Greg, this is the type of win that can change the season for a team. Maybe both teams. It could. If you had told me at 39 seconds left in the third quarter when the Eagles finished off a 17-play, 99-yard drive to Oof. go up 17 nothing, that they could possibly lose that game, I, I wouldn't have believed it because that drive was – very consistent with how the first three quarters of the game went, which is Philadelphia was moving the ball. These two teams were very similar. I kind of had a whole bit in my head about, oh, these two teams are similar styles, but the Eagles are just better at it, and that's got to really crush Ron Rivera. And then 15 minutes later, three drives from the Panthers where they played hurry up. The Eagles couldn't move the ball in the fourth, and Merrill Reese put it well. Carson Wentz had a rough quarter after what was – one of the best three quarters uh, I've seen from him in any game. So it's just one of those games. I love this Fred drive chart. Oh, ouch. Greg, you stated on Thursday you were going to ride with the Eagles. Maybe you had visions of sugar plums in your head of some type of magical winning streak. Tough loss here for you. Sugar plums. It, it's tough, but we're gonna we're gonna ride that. We're gonna keep riding this train right to a ten and six record. Mm, okay. Yeah, you'll come in maybe third, second, or third place in the in the just plain for a second. Aren't there seventeen weeks? We got the playoffs too. I, I the drive chart of this game is fascinating for the Panthers. Punt, 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 punt. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. End of game. Right. It was a game with very few possessions. It, like to to do that after what they had, they couldn't run the ball really well. And going to the hurry up basically just changed the game. Tough, tough, tough loss for the Eagles. And and I get we talked about it, Greg, when you locked up the the Eagles that. They just seem primed to go on a run and, and maybe put some distance between themselves and the rest of the NFC East. And now I still like their chances. I think they're the best team in the, that division. Even we'll get to the Redskins in a bit. But um, you, it makes you wonder, again, only 17 points. The offense has not been able to really click and get going this year. You wonder how long that's going to take. And the Panthers, after um, a tough loss last week, Again, to me, they reaffirm themselves, Wes, as a team that I think could beat anybody in the NFC, and that makes them one of the more dangerous teams in the league. Absolutely. I think the Panthers are, are they're right there as a playoff contender, and I expect them to be that way all year. I don't really know what the weakness is on this team. We thought it was the offensive line, but as we've said several times, their offensive line coach is a wizard, so that's not a concern. The line didn't play great today for three quarters, and I, I – I wouldn't put I don't feel any different about either one of these teams going into it. I thought they were extremely even. I thought, you know, the Pan the Eagles offense, yeah, they they blew it in the four, in the fourth quarter where Carson Wentz seemed to the ball almost seemed to slip out of his hand a few times yeah. including on that final play where he pulled the ball down. The reason he held it too long is cuz Julius Peppers jumped right in front of him and they only had five possessions before the fourth quarter and they had scored on three of them and there was crazy wind and they had missed a field goal cuz of that. I give just credit to the the Panthers stars 
Cam Newton, and I know you saw this play, Dan, made an unbelievable throw on fourth and 10 with the game on the line where he had to jump and he's getting tackled after he evaded a sack. He doesn't make that play. They don't win. Only one quarterback in the league makes that throw. Right. Luke Keekley made a terrific diagnosis of a second down screen on the on the drive before that for Philadelphia, where if they pick up that first down, the game is over. Uh, basically, all their big players, like Julius Peppers, who, who am I forgetting? And then James Bradbury really caught up to a play where he was beat by Alshon Jeffrey on third down that get, got the ball back for Carolina. That, again, was maybe underthrown by Wentz. He just had a bad quarter into the wind. I'm not going to go crazy. The Eagles, to me, just the, the one difference from last. They had such an identity at this point in the year last season, and they're just riding with a bit of a different vibe right now. I mean, I loved watching their ground game last year. And you look at the, you look at the box score, and it's like there is no foundational lead back here. It's hard to run it back. Very few teams are able to do it. We'll see if the Eagles can get on track next week. Uh, one other note in this game, Eric Reed and Malcolm Jenkins. That is uh, some spicy beef, uh, all connected to the um, the national anthem and the protests and, and the Colin Kaepernick situation. But um, Eric Reed, who now plays safety for the Panthers, Actually, even though he's not a team captain, went to midfield before the game started to start with Jenkins, who he believes sold out the cause that Kaepernick started and, and co-opted it for his own gains. I, I mean, some of this to me is a little esoteric, and I need to dig into it more because I didn't realize this was such spicy beef. But these two guys, they were joying throughout the game, and then after the game, Reed didn't back down and, and spoke about it more. So a lot of heat there. Eric Reed also pulled off. One of the the better I'm gonna get some hits in moves I've ever seen in my life, which was was taking down Carson Wentz aggressively on a run pass option where Wentz did pass it right. off, but he could have gotten he could have said, well I didn't know he didn't have the ball, wasn't called, and then you know, understandably Zach Ertz gets upset about it, goes after Reed, and Reed body slams him like it's WrestleMania. It was like he took He's down two, up. he took down two in one play. You don't see that too often. He almost had a killer pick too. Yeah, he he ended up being in the middle of the action, good and bad, throughout the game. Let's move on. Snap the spot, kick is on the way, and it hits the upright. No good. Redskins win. Redskins win. Twenty seventeen. Oh, Brett Mars, 52-yard attempt, clanged off the upright, dropped into the end zone, the miss ceiling. The Redskins' 2017 win over the Dallas Cowboys in Landover. The Redskins, yes, the Redskins will reach the final week of October in first place at 4-2. Greg, today was an old-fashioned NFC East slobber knocker. You you guys love the NFC East, I know, back in the 80s and 90s, Dan Dan and Mark. Right, that's what I grew up watching. This is the so, football. Yeah. This is the type of game that you would that you Slabinaga. like. Ru- a lot of runs, a dirty field, a couple major hits that made a, a big play in this game, including a fumble by Dak Prescott on the goal line that was picked up by by Washington. These two teams are so similar, and I think we said it going into the game. And they looked like mirror images of each other. But in this game, one of the big differences is Adrian Peterson and the Washington running game was the far superior running game. I mean, he looks incredible. It's almost underrated, I think, how amazing Adrian Peterson looks this year. I think he's one of the top five, just as a pure runner, he's one of the five or six best runners in the league right now. I would say almost nobody that we know uh, on the the human race, planet, slash experience, had the Redskins winning the division at this point in the season. But Wes was the Adrian Peterson champion 
dating back to middle the middle of the offseason, waiting for a team to pick him up. And he it almost makes me feel like if you're one of these running backs and you're entering your 30s, take a year off <laughs> and then come back and dominate for another two or three seasons. But he's also a generational talent. I mean, there's yes. not a lot of age. I know, but Marshawn Lynch did the same thing. It just maybe it it's, also a, it's another argument paper. to take a, a sabbatical year in general to leave your <laughs> I mean, responsibility. Is this about you, though, really? Is that what this is about? I just, you know, it's about <laughs> becoming refreshed. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peterson, absolutely. And, and I was actually thinking about that. Peterson has been everything they could have ever wanted him to be. He's which their is offense. Basically, yeah. yeah, basically you get Adrian Peterson, and who he has been in his career, which is a star running back. And they still have had so much trouble on offense, even with that. Imagine if Adrian Peterson was washed up or couldn't stay on the field, how bad this offense would be. It's amazing that a day or two before they signed Adrian Peterson, Jay Gruden was still calling Rob Kelly the focal point of the offense and the starter, mm. and we're only bringing in a guy to be a backup. And now Adrian Peterson, like Greg said, he is their offense. He, he is. And you give the Redskins credit for winning the game where they didn't have Paul Richardson. They didn't have Chris Thompson. I'm forgetting. Jamison Crowder. They didn't have Jamison Crowder, and they found a way to get it done. I think one of the reasons it was still close is they would take Peterson out once they got inside the 10-yard line when he was the guy who got them there, put in Capri Bibbs, and settled for field goals. Yeah, but I give also a lot of credit when you look at the two running games. It's not like I think Peterson's a better runner right now than Zeke Elliott. But the Redskins defensive line led by Henry's boy, Jim Tom Sula, is doing an incredible job this year. And they dominated the Cowboys offensive line for most of this game. And I really thought they were the difference was the Redskins. Jim Tom Sula did it. You want to talk about taking a couple of years off. Tom Sula gets hired by the Niners. He's asked to pilot the Titanic, you know, or move around deck chairs on the Titanic. They fire him immediately. Not his fault. He collects an assload of money from the Niners and now, you know, gets back into coaching and is feeling great and is leading a uh, powerful unit. Yeah, I would argue that he discovered and so did that the Niners discover that he's not really the person you put out there as your PR face. You, you know, that right. he struggled mightily with that, but he, his players have always loved him. Well, we know from talking to Rob Ryan in London – some guys just aren't meant to be head coaches. It's okay to be an assistant coach your entire career. It's okay to just love football and teaching guys, and maybe you're not meant to be the head man. Henry, uh, I texted Henry about it, and he said he's much happier right now. He, he's loving love. I think he's essentially working for free because he might still be getting paid by the 49ers. And you do wonder, like, how long – like, is Jason Garrett going to be one of those guys – coming up because he doesn't survive this year because the last the last 10 games the Cowboys have gone win loss win loss win loss win loss win loss which is the most <laughs> Jason Garrett thing ever and so is setting up for like a 48 yard field goal to try to tie well, the my, game my Give favorite thing every Cowboy game seems to go down to the end I know last week was 47 but shut up um but one of my favorite <laughs> things in any close Cowboys game is the luxury box shot of Jerry Jones. Savor it because it won't last forever. You know, it's, it's a finite. Life is finite. Who are you telling Whoa. to shut up? Jera won't be around forever is what I'm saying. So today we got my favorite uh, luxury box shot is a crushing loss, Jerry Jones luxury <laughs> box. And uh, it had to hurt because the field goal, 52-yard uh, attempt by, by Marr, uh, hooked at the last second, hit the upright. Uh, seconds before Dallas gets flagged for a five-yard penalty. And that's kind of what teams that are 8-8 eight and eight type teams, these are the things that happen. Sometimes you're, you benefit from these time things. Sometimes they happen to you, but you're just kind of floating in and the it, middle. It was next level on that Jerry Jones shot that someone circled him with the yellow <laughs> telestrator pen to make it very clear which man we should be observing. And, and not his grandson in front of him. Right. Was, also right. Might we suggest an alternative? 
Jerry Jones shot. The, the flunky wiping his glasses shot is, is the That's best. That's the best. All time. That was a good one. Yeah, Zeke Elliott, 15 for 33. And when Zeke averages two yards a carry, Cowboys aren't winning football games. Let us move on. On the sweep, here comes Lewis. Going to the left. Mariota looking to the back of the end zone. Tipped up in the air and complete. And the Chargers will win the game. 31 seconds left in the contest. The defense comes up biggest in the game's biggest moment. And Phillip Rivers high-fiving his defense and encouraging them to get off the field. Oh, we know that voice. Matt Money Smith with a call for KFI. Mike Vrabel had the onions, but his team could not provide the execution. Adrian Phillips broke up Marcus Mariota's two-point conversion pass attempt in the final minute, and the Chargers held on for a 20-19 win over the Titans at Wembley Stadium. There you go, Brits. There's a nice game for you. 2019, how you like that? Greg, Vrabel decided to risk it all rather than hope momentum carried over to overtime. What did you think? I had no problem going for it. I thought it was curious that a team that runs more than any team in the NFL on first down, which does not put his team in great position, refused to run the ball for three straight plays with the game on the line. He did it on fourth and goal at the one, and you know what? It worked. Luke's, you counting on Luke Stocker to make a leaping catch with a man on his back, but you know what? It worked. Then you go, for, go, you get two more chances. First one, no one's open, but they get a penalty flag that moves it up a yard. You throw another pass. It's just, I don't get it. When when you're a running <laughs> team that you run so right. much, it's 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 like the anti. It is so against every principle that the Titans seem to have. Yeah, they should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Oof, I like that. Well, at the it's same like the time, biggest, or Deion Lewis, like the, the, the biggest trope in the NFL, or Deion Lewis, the 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 best player on the field today. And I I know it's easy to like second guess play calls, but I'm just saying percentage wise, it's weird that a lot of coaches who are very conservative, that's where they throw the ball when the numbers say running it there is just so so much better. Is it not also a characteristic though because it didn't work out? He it happened early in the day. It it was it was an isolated game. The play call doesn't go your way, and you're critiqued all day long for it. When it, I mean, honestly, is it just because they 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 it was the play call you think can is I, the issue? I don't. The play know. call wasn't great, but can, how about this? Here's my counter to this. I, I guess I'm probably going to be the minority in this room. How about we kick the extra point and go to overtime? I know we're we're in this new woke era for coaches where it's like, hey, I get analytics. I get things. I'm cool, too. Daka, daka, daka. I'm going to go for it. And it's like but that this, just is, seems... this is very anti-analytics to throw the ball there. But it, it's also that thing about, it's listen, the... in this era, the coaches are the real gunslingers. And, and sometimes I feel like you get a little too cute. And Mike Rabel got sucked into the movement a little bit. I kicked the extra point. I had the momentum. I just went down the field. He said after the game, Vrabel too, which was weird, that he thought his team was beat up physically and 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 wouldn't maybe fare well in overtime. Well, then how did you just drive 85 yards to tie the game? Um, I I thought it was kind of needlessly risky. Um, so if it works, everybody is happy. But it just after it happened, I was just like, whoa. I mean, and I'm happy. I got a lock out of it. Daddy's on a three-game winning streak. Wes, you better keep winning because I ain't losing no more. I hear you. But uh, uh, <laughs> not concerned at all. But uh, but I just I just thought it was unnecessary, honestly. That, but I think I'm in the minority. I'm, no, I'm with you because it's like I, there does seem this to be this des- desire to not take it into overtime here. But that might have had something to do with the Chargers' offense. Score aside, like they continue to 
right. furl this, big plays. It's very similar to, to the other two games, which I just started, especially the Eagles one, where if you look at the score and you don't think this is an offensive game. The Chargers basically dominated offensively. They had seven possessions. So you score 20 points in seven possessions. That's that's a great return. They just didn't have the ball very long. Titans kind of play this, this very close to the vest offense that worked today where they kept hitting on third downs, held the ball. I thought it wasn't crazy to go for it, though, especially the way Deion Lewis, it, it was nice to be reminded. I'm not saying it's crazy. Right. I just I just don't know if it was necessary. I'm with you, Dan. It was nice to be reminded what an incredible player Deion Lewis is, how funny he is to watch 155 yards from scrimmage in this game. He did it on his own. The receivers let Mariota down for the most part, but I kind of expected the Titans to score in that play because the, the Chargers defense was not playing particularly well. They got a lot of stops on unforced errors by the Titans. A bad loss, by the way, by the Titans. Melvin Gordon gets scratched right before the game. I mean, the Chargers are still, there's a lot of talent on that team, but you've got a huge gift there, and everybody likes Austin Eckler, but you, you have a chance to beat the Chargers without Melvin Gordon. You still can't find out a, figure out a way. They're now 3-4. and four. How about the 5-2 and two Chargers, though? This is one of those games that nice. you would have expected them to blow. They only had 44 plays in it, but Rivers has another beautifully They've blown this game, game 100 three, times before. Right, I don't think this is that team that, 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 that blew those games in the past, though. They are, this is a completely different Chargers team right now. Big win. They go into the bye week. They can get Melvin Gordon healthy. They're expecting Joey, Joey Bosa to come back after the bye. To, to go on the road for Seattle and Oakland, what is it, like 40-something straight days they play without a home game? I'm a little suspicious, Mark. I, I would have liked to stop there. I mean, they, they, they make the stop in the two-point conversion, but they let them go the 90 defense, yards down the field. Seven games into the season, the defense has been uninspiring over, overall. And, and they've had a pretty five and two. Yeah. And the, they are 5-2. and two. The offense had a chance to, to salt that away, too, and they couldn't get the first down. Anthony so Lynn's I, on my radar. Their defense does not stand out as exactly a negative, though. Not that this game season. out. That's all I'm saying. Anthony Lynn's been on your radar for a year. Yes, the game management, and, the, and, <laughs> and I felt at the end of this one, too, like sometimes – uh, with the time, the, the timeouts and the lack of going for it a little bit at the end. How about another crazy ending? Woo! It's the snap to Trubisky. He's pressured by Claiborne. He starts to roll to his left. He pulls up. He heaves one deep to the end zone. That ball is sailing toward the goal line. It's caught by White. White is caught and wrapped up short of the goal line. Unreal. And the Patriots are going to win, but that close to a Hail Mary and an answered prayer for Chicago. See, there's a, little, there's a little hint of joylessness starting to set in around New England about this football team. I feel that. It's like there wasn't any celebration. It was just like, oh, that was close. We win again. Turn the page. Well, you give up like a 55-yard <laughs> Hail Mary to the one. If you have mixed emotions in that moment, probably, because awesome. you're like, what just happened? You don't see that too much. Bob Sochi and Zo Scott Zolak with a little uh, color in there with the Patriots radio network. Yes, Mitch Trubisky's desperation midfield heave in the final seconds. Found a receiver, but Kevin White got stopped at the one. A cruel ending for the team of ATN. And business as usual for Operation Pink Pony. Am I right, Mark? Uh, absolutely. Final, More evidence. Final score, 38-31 in favor of the Patriots, who won despite Gronk staying back in uh, New England with uh, injuries. West, the Bears jumped out to an early lead in this game. How did the Patriots take control? Special teams. Um, they came out on the opening drive, and it was Sony Michelle and James White, a lot of what it's been for the past month, uh, on a nice 75-play drive in which there was no resistance, it seemed, whatsoever from the Bears' defense. And then uh, they lose Sony Michelle to a, on a play in which he fumbled and twisted his knee mm. 
And it was the second fumble. It put them in a 17-7 hole, and then special teams took over. Cordell Patterson's 95-yard kickoff return touchdown, his the sixth of his career. And then Donta Hightower, who might be the only linebacker running like a 5-4-40, oh. still making plays. How dare you. Blocked a punt, and then Kyle Van Noy picked it up, ran it in for a touchdown. The Patriots really never looked back after that. I'm looking at Josh Gordon becoming a bigger part of this offense every week, and they, they need, Four for 100 today. Need, it, need him to be playing more snaps now. than Now he's clearly in the top two receivers in terms of snaps, basically playing every snap and making big plays in this game. Four for 100, which led the team. It could have been like six for 150 or 160. Tom Brady threw one over the middle that was at, at Josh Gordon's shoelaces when he was wide open, and there was another play on the sideline where Brady threw behind him, and he was only able to get a fingertip on it or two. Um, I think those could have been Josh Gordon's fault for running the route wrong. I don't know, but the rapport is still not where it needs to be, and yet you can see Gordon's talent, um, which is no surprise to Mark, of course, but on a 55-yard tackle-breaking catch-and-run on uh, toward the end of the game really set up James White's touchdown to give them – the uh, 38 points, the it's last good thing he's there. overcome that hamstring injury that forced him out of Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> James White, as, as each week goes on, is kind of get going higher in the New England sports pantheon. He's a captain. He, of, he's that guy. He's one of their captains on this team, and you can see why. He had a career hunt, 19 touches today because they lost um, Sony Michelle, and, and Kenyon Barner was their between, between the tackles runner. He's like 5'8", 185 or whatever. They need a running back. I, I think they'll probably sign Mike Gillisley, right? Where are we at on the – Or trade for someone. Where are we at on the team of around the NFL? Uh, do we like what we're seeing from them six weeks in? Here's what's going on. They've given up 69 points the last two weeks to the Dolphins and Patriots with Khalil Mack playing through an ankle injury. It's not just Trubisky, who was way off the mark today on his throws. Um, he missed by a foot or two on some throws that could have really made this game different. But his legs were a huge factor in this game. He rushed for 81 yards and uh, sort of bedeviled the Patriots' defense, which had made his scrambling ability a focal point. He had a, a beautiful touchdown run. And on the ground, I feel like he's a top three quarterback on the ground. But I remain somewhat mystified by anything he attempts to do through the air for the most and part. Yet, and yet, he's putting up numbers. And that credit goes to Matt Nagy, who I think has been a great hire. Ultimately, the formula for them is not, and I know there was two special teams touchdowns today. You give up thir- 381 yards, 21 first downs to the Patriots. Maybe that's not a terrible performance, but ultimately the offense is kind of doing their job the last two weeks. They've they've put up enough points for the most part. You would expect the defense to be able to do enough to, to win these last two weeks, and they haven't been able to. And with this uh, fourth straight win for the Patriots, uh, Greg, they are now currently, and it's very early obviously, slotted in as the number two seed in the AFC. Going to keep that uh, buy streak alive. It's going to happen. Chargers right behind him, though, also tied 5-2. and two. Uh, Let's move on. More Jack wild endings. Blake, look, they blitz. He gets hit, runs out of there. Made a man miss. Now the fumble. Blake has fumbled the ball again, and the Texans have recovered the Blake Bortles fumble near the 12-yard line of Jacksonville. Okay, this wasn't a crazy ending. Frank Frangie with the call for Jags Radio Network. But what that was was the last play of the game for Blake Bortles. Uh, the Houston Texans became the latest team to shut down the Jaguars on offense. And this time it cost Blake his spot in the lineup. The Jags quarterback benched after a third quarter fumble. Backup Cody Kessler unable to launch a comeback effort. Houston, 
20-7, the victory over Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Four straight wins for the Texans after that 0-3 start. And uh, the Jaguars, meanwhile, have lost, I believe, four or five now. Is that where we are with the Jags? Uh, and they are trapped beneath the rubble of another Bortles apocalypse. But let us not, again, forget that this is not all Bortles. Uh, the, the defense, which was turnover crazy last year, and one, those are one of those things that's very hard to reproduce, uh, but they weren't. They struggled uh, to make game-changing plays on defense. In fact, I believe they're negative 12, minus 12 for the year in the turnover battle, uh, which is just the polar opposite of what this team was able to do with their uh, ball control offense and their opportunistic defense last year. Um, but what is the problem with the Jaguars? Well, Jalen Ramsey is the superstar cornerback of the Jags, as you might imagine, frustration setting in in Jacksonville, and he was asked, what's the issue? How, what's going on with the Jags? Y'all walk in here. Y'all see how it is in here. Y'all see how we vibe with each other. Y'all see how we vibe towards the coaches. Y'all, y'all see how it is. This is no secret how what's going on here right now. Ain't nobody going to say it because, you know, we can't. But it ain't no secret what's going on, and it ain't it ain't right right now. Well, the uh, Greg, the Jalen Ramsey spent the offseason – firing away at quarterbacks across the league. Was this a shot at his own? It was, and maybe a a deflection from what some media members saw when a door opened. I loved how this played out. Love the door opening up. The Jaguars PR opened the door to to open the locker room for post-game interviews, and they saw an interaction where Calais Campbell is holding back Yannick Ngakwe, who was trying to get after someone, and then they just closed the door back up. <laughs> and so I, I don't know I don't know who's yelling at who, and Ngakwe was involved uh, in August with a fight with Dante Fowler, which got Fowler suspended. There's been a little bit of bad juju around this team for a while. I feel like last year's Jaguars were very much a unified us against the rest of the NFL, us against all our doubters, us against the world, and they maximized that with a trip deep into the playoffs. This year, because you're, there's a lot of young players on this team too, and I don't know if it's a reflection of coaching or what's happening in general, it's become the Jaguars versus the Jaguars. Like It's not unusual for stuff to happen in the locker room, but what happened today, what they described, feels like a tipping point moment where now you've got to roll into London and face a desperate Eagles team as well. If you're 3-4 and four and you're the Jaguars and you, and you lose that game, you're 3-5 and five in a still winnable division, but you have to question what their DNA would be going forward in the AFC. Doug Marone explained that he benched Bortles because he simply didn't have the manpower to bench all 11 on both sides of the ball. So he wanted to send a message by benching the starting quarterback. And I get that, but it's still, to me, a major departure from their philosophy of ignoring the quarterback problem and doing everything to try to cater to Blake Bortles' confidence. This, to me, maybe it gets in Bortles' head, but what I mean, is that going to actually make him play any worse? Well, is he going to play next week? Or does Cody Kessler start in London? I wouldn't expect that, but I don't know. From from the way Marone's comments sounded, this was just a message sender, and Bortles will be right well, back they, under center. Because he doesn't have any other options. Cody Kessler is not going to save the ship no, here. No. Well, they, they banged themselves. They did, and they, yep. it was irresponsible for them. And this is not Monday morning quarterback. Everybody said the same thing. Why are they going into the season all in on Blake Bortles. I tweeted about it during the game. Why isn't Teddy Bridgewater on this team right now? Either they would, they could have signed him during free agency or traded for him and, and given up a third-round pick or, or even a second-round pick to get some more uh, protection at the most important position of the game, and now they're just floating. 
especially back in March when if you're if you were the Jaguars management, you viewed yourself as a Super Bowl team. You didn't know these defensive problems were going to happen. You looked like you were a player away and you did nothing but extend Blake Bortles and put a bunch of PR around it to make it seem like we're the right ones here. Maybe Bridgewater is not the best quarterback for their system. Maybe their people don't believe in him. Um, but I think it's worth pointing out the Saints saw themselves as a contender and went out and picked up insurance for their quarterback, and the Jaguars said our quarterback is too mentally fragile to handle insurance. Well, they, they've benched Bortles before, and so I don't know if like he thinks that that result was so good that they wanted to repeat it. There was a, I found a headline from last August 23rd where it said, Blake Bortles' career in the NFL may be over, and that was the day that they benched Blake Bortles for Chad Henney late in the preseason last year, and everyone assumed Chad Henning would wind up being the week one starter. It didn't even happen. The, the, the benching basically ended up, I don't know if it was just symbolic or, or what it was, and then Bortles came out and had a good season. A symbolic Maybe, benching. I don't know what it was. Not a good season. It, he, his NFL career is continuing, though. He had a good like season by Bortles. That's a good point. Parameters, yeah. And the Texans. Who said an 0-3 uh, start ends your season? They are in good shape. And they're still figuring it out. I don't think this team... They're first it, place by themselves. Yeah, they're all alone in first place now. And they, there's still a lot of room for them to get better. Lamar Miller even showed up in this game, Wes. Gave him 100 yards. That's telling you something. And a touchdown. And Will Fuller looks like he's over that hamstring injury. I, I maintain that he's really important to that offense. Uh, by the us, way, two-time making the leap uh, candidate, Lamar Miller. He doubled up. Made that list I twice. remember I wrote it once, and there was another one, huh? Wes that wrote, feels the, like, Wes wrote the first one. I wrote one, one yeah. And you, 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 that feels like it you was felt a, very maybe, strongly uh, about doubling back around. <laughs> like a, an administrative uh, error, potentially. <laughs> no, was, no, you were very strong. It was actually more of a bit, on the, even on the uh, podcast. We sort of talked to you. are like, I'm going back to Lamar. All right. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, it's all ridiculous. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> Snap is down and the kick is up. And it is no good. The kick is no good. Justin Tucker misses the extra point. 24 seconds left, and the Saints up 24 to 23. He missed it. Unbelievable. Whoa. He missed it. <laughs> Guys like figuring it out on the fly. Tell me about it. Oh, jaunty. Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister. Steve Geller, WWL with the call. <clears throat> Justin Tucker missed the uh, first uh, PAT attempt of his career, and the Ravens. So a uh, potential scoring touchdown with 24 seconds to play mean nothing because Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints escape with a 24-23 win. Justin Tucker misses the extra point late in the game. His first miss of his career. Wes, how? Why? No. <laughs> no. Uh, you, right before that play, said watch this. Right down the middle. He's going to split the uprights. No chance he misses. The You're the reason. Uh, you know, I feel <laughs> I like I might Literally splits. My <laughs> favorite was of all time. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to see that the Ravens' defense was not a mirage and they could do it against a good offense. Um, and I'm not ready to make any grand sweeping statements. This was not a referendum on the Ravens' defense. They held the Saints to 12 fewer points than normal, 90 fewer yards than normal. They were in control all game, and Drew Brees made plays. Give him credit. On third and fourth down, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, middle of the fourth quarter, he made the plays, and the Ravens' defense didn't. But it's still, to me, like this game could have gone either way. Definitely could have gone either way. And I'm not ready to think any differently about the Ravens after this game. No, I, I made sort of a – 
a joking point to start the podcast about all these close games. You nailed it too. It was very <laughs> funny. We Amazingly, all we thought it was subversive. Did a good job with that. Yeah, thank you very much. Just wanted to bring that up. That's yeah. that's my entire point. No, uh, <laughs> but really, in all of these games, it, it's true. Like, we're, there's going to be so many takeaways in every newspaper on each side, and we're gonna you know feel so differently about all of these teams because of how one or two plays. And it's really like there's there's not much to it other than, you know, luck is the biggest factor, I think, in wins and losses when teams and games are this close. And it's still impressive to me, though, that the Saints put themselves in that position where it was a coin flip game and that it was up to Breeze to make those sort of plays. Because I think that's a tough place to go to go in in Baltimore and show you can win that type of game, which is 17-6 at one point. That's impressive. One thing about the Saints that I found unimpressive was the fact that they toted out a bunch of like foot and hand warmers uh, to their sideline when it was 52 degrees out. <laughs> really? So you a little worried about them in January if they don't I get just, home? Field I think it was a little on the nose to like to 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 need that or to require. Better win 12 that. games. You're saying. 12 just, or 13. You know, uh, we Stay get in it. The dome. Stay in your little pretty, you know, inside home. Why, why, why try to be, uh, why try to be too proud? Just be warm. Well, speaking know? of luck, haven't the Saints have won two games this year because of missed extra points? Right, the Browns game. Right. Yeah, Brown's game had multiple disasters happening from a special teams angle. Uh, Drew Brees, by the way, historic uh, touchdown pass number 500 in this one. I mean, so he's he, we get it because he's in that point in his career where he's sort of breaking something in the record book every week, and then they like bring out a paper certificate. It's like we we appreciate this player, but we, I don't need to hear about the updated well, records. Can, week Mark, week. Mark, hang on, hang on. He set the all-time passing yardage record. Nobody in the history of the game had ever done it. That was one record, and this was his 500th touchdown. Only like three guys have done that. That's great, but we know Drew Brees is good. This isn't baseball. That's all I'm saying. This isn't baseball. This is a flaw in this podcast, and I made a point to bring this up, the 500th touchdown, because you guys are completely like allergic to ever giving out credit for anything that, that, that awards longevity of greatness. And Wait, that's I what don't this is. We I don't, don't, we don't a, need a reminder I brought that Drew Brees had a long, great is, career. This well, isn't baseball. Volume I like counting stats aren't that important. There's not a history of being allergic to longevity and Listen to and what Wes just said. 500 touchdowns doesn't mean anything. That's not what I said. I said we how, don't need the stats to know that he's had a long, great career. He's going to be all of That's how sports favor. work. It's not how football works. The game film works in football, not the stats. I, I think They both work, Wes. No, they don't because we're playing in an era that completely negates the passing stats of other eras or vice versa i think everyone here has great points and i don't even know where this comes down are you coming back drew, to your opening no, comments on the yeah, podcast it was hilarious it, it was, you did a great job about with it again <laughs> drew Brees set another record today or tied one that keeps getting repeated, which is Yawn. on my radar which is that he's now i think the third quarterback to defeat all 32 teams in the that one in the nfl i care less I, about i don't that. I, yeah get a, I'm, i don't need that one the that team, one by the way he did or the saints did right exactly uh, Joe Flacco, though, no Fluco. That was a nice drive. <laughs> That's going to get lost in this, and John Brown went over 100 with a touch. So the Ravens had a nice comeback there. It all gets wiped away, and yes, Justin Tucker had made 112 straight extra points, the only kicker without a miss since they moved the extra point back in 2015. Like it doesn't seem right that they have the same record as the Texans. We should just award No, no we're the, talking the about Ravens Justin Tucker now, Greg. One. It's just in time. Just saying, like four and three. Stand with fair. Tucker. He made the first 222 tries of his career. Here's what he had to say. I, I said, I know Justin. I know he's going to be a stand-up guy, and he was the first guy at the podium. Every kicker, every football player is going to come across a moment, uh, a challenging moment. Um, you know, every kicker is going to, if you play long enough, you're going to have a kick that you want back, and tonight was that night for me. Uh, the only thing that 
we can do is just go to work and try to make, you know, the best out of a bad situation. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the efforts of my teammates putting us in a position to extend the game. Um, and unfortunately, I just wasn't able to put the ball through the uprights. We can stop handing out lollipops for having a press conference. This, I've seen this in a few places. I do. I know. I did. <laughs> like, no one's giving lollipops to Cam Newton for showing up looking like Mr. Peanut after the latest Panthers loss. He does it every week. Give me a break. Can I just say I was a little bit worried about Justin Mr. Tucker's Peanut. eyeballs exploding out of his head after the miss? Um, so let's see how he reacts to this. This is the ultimate test of kicker confidence. Will Justin Tucker be lights out next week? I'm nervous. Let's move on. Matthew takes, fakes the give to LeGarrette, watch the throw, does, got a man wide open, end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions, welcome back Michael Roberts. Dan Miller, WJR, with the call, Matt Stafford, 18 of 22, 217 and two touches, uh, including that touchdown you just heard, Carry on Johnson, remember, uh, oh the Lions, they can't get a 100 yard rusher, how about a buck 58? For uh, on Johnson, Lions went over 200 as a team on the ground. 32-21 win over the Dolphins in Miami. Mark, the Lions have climbed back to 500 after that ugly start to their season. How have they done it? Well, I mean, what they did today is, to, to what you mentioned, is being able to absolutely lash the Dolphins on the ground. A very un-Lions-like quality. And it was not something where, you know, you have Brock Osweiler again, and all the songs and drapings surrounding Brocktober and business. He was not the, the reason the Dolphins... Brocktober! Brocktober! Okay, it's fine. He didn't win, so... Yeah. He doesn't get a big party. Go ahead, Mark. I mean, it's soon going to be Brock Vember, and I think that the longer he's in there, the less appealing this Dolphins team uh, <laughs> will be. But I don't know. I don't, Greg, what is going on with the Ryan Tannehill thing? Uh, I it, find this mystifying. I, I do too, that he's out for – it sounds like he's out for at least a couple weeks and they're going to reevaluate, and they're, they're saying now he does not need surgery. But it's, it's troubling if you're Ryan Tannehill or his agent. Why did Miami Brock Dolphins. play poorly in this game? No, he Mark? did not. He did not. In fact, he made I, I, some of the throws that Brock Osweiler made in this game are throws he never made with the Texans or in his you know summer with the Browns, whatever that was about. I mean, he he looked like a different quarterback, and I think that has a Here's lot the thing, to do. Adam Gase. I think it's Adam Gase, but Adam Gase at the same time seems to have plenty of issues because for Devontae Parker, who is inactive and had an injury at some point before. Parker's agent came out after the game and said, basically, you're an offense that needs wide receiver help. You guys are averaging 6.1 yards per pass catch, and you have taken my player and deactivated him and essentially said that he has lied about the injury status of this wide receiver, which is a very bizarre thing to come out of an ugly loss for the Dolphins. He flat-out called Adam Gase incompetent. <laughs> Who That's, did that? The, the, the agent. Devontae Parker's Devontae agent. Parker. Oh, okay. I thought it's like a coach or something or a player. I mean, that's, that's, that's trying hard to get traded. They have a Thursday night game coming up where they might need Devontae Parker. So I don't know if the Dolphins will take that bait because I don't know who's given up a great pick for Devontae Parker. Meanwhile, the Lions are 3-3. Three and three. 
They're right there with the Bears in that yep. in that conference. They're only one game out of the lead or a game and a half. The Lions, I mean, after a rough start, they're not they're not that bad off. I mean, oh, oh Wes, you, hey, listen, you know we don't like records, but I got another one for you. Wes just tied the all-time lock record. That's seven straight. Wes oh, yeah, that Dubs to open the season. You did it again. Yeah, first time I picked a road team. Do you seven like and that o. type of longevity mm-hmm. to go? Almost two months without a loss. Is that does that get you going, West? That does get me going. But we're going to take it week to week in the West League. And you picked the right week. I, I think home teams were three and nine one at one point. One week at a time. One uh, week at a time. <laughs> uh, if you're like if you're a Lions fan and you look and you have 457 yards on only 58 plays and you ran the ball 35 times. I mean, we're cooking. You're cooking with gas here. We talk a lot about how teams change identities during the season. I'm not saying they're going to be a run-heavy team, but Stafford's been very efficient the last few weeks, and this team is changing as they go. And who knows? Yeah, for all this attention on the quarterback situation in Miami, Osweiler and Tannehill. What about a defense that pretty much got steamrolled today? Wes, when you win these locks and you go home on a Sunday night. And the paramour is there. Mm. She's home from work. Mm-hmm. Is there a little bit of She's like I want added it. extra tension in a good way between you two? Is she just like this guy is? Like I want so you to lock me up. Mm. That mm. has <laughs> never happened. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the, the lock has not been discussed on Sunday nights after a long day. <laughs> this is so not maybe not on her radar the way we, it, you would hope. She yeah. even aware? Is she even aware of your? Um, she is aware of the lock. Okay. She listens to the podcast. Uh, she's quietly. Okay. You've you've correctly predicted seven straight games to start the season, 7-0. and uh, Is this going to be like um, a no-hitter in baseball where we're not going to even like sit near you uh, because you have to stay by yourself? We don't want to jinx you because like, you're very hot right now, and this is, this is unprecedented territory. Mm. No, I would say in matters of importance, it falls well below a no-hitter in an actual baseball <laughs> game where the player is actually involved in the action. <laughs> Okay, and I'm not. So you're I calling this just yet another vicarious hobby horse parlor game. Yes, I'm saying that our job is to predict things, and it really doesn't matter whether we get them right or wrong. Wait, no, what? <laughs> Wes, no prediction, yeah, whatever. Hey, Wes, lean into this a little bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Cousins takes the snap. Jets blitz. It's picked up. Cousins firing for Albrick Robinson in the end zone, and it's caught. Touchdown. Robinson. They don't use him much, but when they do, it generally results in a touchdown. <laughs> Should use it more then. Paul <laughs> Allen, Vikings Radio Network, with the call. Kirk Cousins threw two touchdown passes, including that game icing fourth down strike to Aldrick Robinson. And the Minnesota Vikings pull away from the New York Jets. 37-17. They win. It's their third straight win. And the Vikings uh, all of a sudden look like the Vikings that we remember from last year. A, a really nice effort. The The offense um, looked good. Kirk Cousins were not easy conditions in the Meadowlands with the wind. A lot a lot of these games on the East Coast seem to have that issue. Uh, but Cousins uh, made throws when he needed to. And Latavius Murray, once again, uh, really, really nice job. As, you know, one cut straight ahead, finding seams. He kind of wore down the Jets' defense in this game. I think he finished with two touchdowns. Um, so a nice win, and uh, most of all, the, the Vikings defense, which uh, we talked about this, uh, Wes, in the lead-up to this game. This would be a good test for Sam Darnold and the Jets, the rookie coming off two really good games, and he wasn't up to the task against the Vikings. Um, not an excuse. His, his wide receiver core is really beat up, but 
Uh, I think Darnold struggled in this game, having to deal with uh, a pass rush in addition to uh, secondary play by the Vikings uh, man coverage that really sh- that really seemed to to vex Darnold. So he 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 played uh, poorly in this one, probably his worst game as a pro. And the Vikings uh, were really clearly the superior team. So if you're the Vikings, you're feeling good. And if you're Adam Thielen, you're making history because he just uh, became the fifth player in NFL history to get at least 100 yards receiving in seven consecutive games. He went nine for 110 and a touchdown. He also ended the game uh, spitting up blood, uh, courtesy of a hit from Jamal Adams. Yikes! Uh, but uh, it didn't appear. I'm not. I was going to say it didn't appear serious. He was spitting up blood at yeah, the end of the game. Let him weigh in on that. Yeah, he'll decide ultimately. But uh, I don't think he's facing any lengthy absence. But big win for the Vikings. Big win, especially when you see what they have coming up on the schedule. Their next six games: Saints, Lions at home, then the bye, at Chicago hosting Green Bay at New England at Seattle. There's not a hmm. cushy, there's not a cupcake in that group. No, there is not. And uh, how bad was it for uh, Darnold at a, at a certain point? Uh, I believe he threw for minus one yard in the second and third quarters uh, combined, two of 13 for minus one yard. There were a couple drops in there, but uh, he was really vexed in this game. Some of these picks, I mean, w- was this a game just getting out of hand down the stretch, basically? Not really, actually. The The Vikings outplayed the Jets badly, but this was a 10-point game in the fourth quarter, and um, Darnold threw a, a pick, and I believe he's up to nine now, maybe? So he's, he's throwing interceptions. He's been very good with ball security, uh, with fumbles, which was an issue that he had coming in, the se- coming out of college, but he is throwing the ball around. So he threw a bad pick, and then uh, the the t- the play call that you heard uh, leading into this discussion uh, came a really pretty gutsy call by Zimmer. It's a ten point game, fourth and long from about the forty yard line of the Jets, and they uh, instead of punting it. Uh, Kirk Cousins just heaves it down the field and somehow gets it in a tiny window past. Uh, he does Mo Claiborne, game. yeah, and into the hands of Aldrick Robinson. Uh, that put the game away. They, they added a touchdown game uh, to ice it, but uh, a pretty decisive win for the uh, the Vikings at the middle. Well, we liked the Jets receiver crew a couple of weeks ago, but suddenly Quincy Anun was out with an injury, and then Terrell Pryor was cut this week after right. with an injury, which is odd. And I know they're saying they might have him back on the team when he's ready in a couple of weeks, but – if he was someone they really believed in, you don't just randomly cut him in the middle There's of the season. It's a very it. odd move. It's something going on and there. It, Terrell Pryor is constantly tied into weird moves, and you want, you have to wonder if it's the Terrell Pryor experience to some degree. Right, and so you have Jermaine Curse, who's kind of been under the radar this year, had no no yards today. Robbie Anderson gets 10 targets for 44 yards, and suddenly like then now Darnold's not playing with as nearly as stacked a deck, and it's going to be – Tougher for him. And one thing to keep in mind, I, I believe this was a Hansus banger before the season where you laid out how the season could go for Jets fans and Sam Darnold. And, of course, best-case scenario is he leads them to the playoffs, everything goes well. Right. Worst-case scenario, he's ex- exposed as a bust. But you said what you kind of expect and what you're totally okay with is an up-and-down season, some rookie lumps. At least you get the sense he's the quarterback of the future and the Jets found their guy, and that's, to me, what he is right now. Yeah, this has been the easiest Sundays I've had um, watching the Jets really ever because there's no pressure to make the playoffs. It's just to have improvement and him to show, make strides. The last two weeks he made big strides. This week he took a step back, and I expect him to take steps forward in the future because I do believe in him uh, despite today. So 
uh, yeah, so far, so okay for the Jets. And you also don't have to play that hideous dance as a fan where you're hoping that once you realize they're not going to be a playoff team that you want them to go 1-15 to get the right. quarterback in the draft. You have the guy, the and it's going to be a week-to-week proposition with these rookie passers. Same thing with the Browns. We got the quarterback now. Let's figure out the rest. Uh, let's take a break here and talk about uh, sportsinformationtraders.com. If you, mm. if you bet on sports, Greg, pay attention here. Listen up. Uh, SportsInformationTraders.com. I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying, you know, it's a good ad here. John Price at SportsInformationTraders.com is the man that can help you make money this football season. John Price knows the lines better than anyone else in the country, even Spice Rack, I guess that means. And he specializes in line movement and value. So when you sign up with SportsInformationTraders.com, and we will not, but if you, you can get the best lines and premium information before the public does. He can help make you up to five times your investment in just 90 days. These are big promises. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com right now and learn why John Price is the only sports wagering analyst with a weekly feature where Forbes f***ing magazine is where. If you want to win, give Sports Information Traders a call at 866-441-2711, 866-441-2711, or go to Sports Information Traders. Dot com. Watch football. Make money. It's that simple. Here's the spot. Greg's the like kick. in hives Airborne. right now. Chandler <laughs> Catanzaro. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? It's good! The Buccaneers win in overtime. 59-yard field goal. Chandler Catanzaro. Oh. What was that? I just I want my top ten Gene Deckerhoff calls of the year. I don't even I like need anyone. He's else. having a nice year. That was nice. He's having a nice season. Gene Deckerhoff, Bucks Radio Network with the call. Chandler Canizero kicked a 59-yard field goal. Vert your eye, Sizzler. The longest ever in overtime. What? Uh, with 150 remaining in the extra period, giving the Bucks a 26-23 win over the Browns. Canizero uh, cast away the goat horns after he pushed a 40-yard would-be game winner. Uh, right in the final seconds of regulation. Mark, it was the fourth overtime game in seven weeks for the Browns, uh, and this one did not work out. It did not, and if they have one more overtime, it is, they believe, the 1983 Packers they would tie for the most in one season, and you can feel that they will. Win Dickey. Right. This, is this, this Browns team seems to veer towards these bizarre endings week after week. This was a tale of two teams where Cleveland's first-half offense – they looked as bad as they have ever looked to the point where Nick Shook, fellow Browns fan, and I mm-hmm. were DMing each other just saying this is ghastly. It feels like major changes are coming from a coaching standpoint because they look that disorganized. They, on the day, had 14 penalties for 100-plus yards in penalty yardage, and the Bucks were getting the job done through the air with Jameis Winston all day long with big passing plays until overtime. When Cleveland snuck in with that missed field goal by Catanzaro, who also missed an extra point in this game. Woof. You you thought Cleveland had a chance because Jameis Winston utterly went to sleep in overtime. It's one of those – it was a section of play that had me as concerned about Winston. And, Dan, I know you were were watching that too. I was going nuts watching it. It was an absolute mess. But they wound wound up – Cleveland just couldn't seal the deal themselves. And yet I come out encouraged by – Yet another 
game that kind of makes me feel that whenever Baker Mayfield is on the field, it is possible. There's a lot of young talent, but th- but there was too much disorganization from the Cleveland side. But same goes for the Bucks. This was like two coaching staffs that wanted to keep one up in each other with ill moves. Hot and seat special. It really yeah. was. Like Dirk Cutter in overtime. What a match. It was the finals of our hot seat yeah. tournament, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it might have been. Cutter threw the red flag in overtime, which you're not allowed to do. You should know that. <laughs> and I should have checked with John Price about this game before switching my lock from oh, the Bucks brutal. to the Browns. Brutal. If, yeah, if, you do, if you're not following social media, but you do listen to the podcast, Mark had um, curiously locked up the Bucks to beat his beloved, beloved Browns and then had a change of heart over the weekend and, and, and cleared it with us this morning to lock up the Browns, uh, and it didn't work out. And it is a uniquely Sessler move to go from locking one team, which means you're more confident about that team than anybody else, to actually locking up their opponent <laughs> over the course of three days. I loved it, Mark. It well, didn't and, work out, but I loved it. And you say Lakeisha does not care about this lock thing. I did a quick FaceTime with Simone and the kids, and she was just like, why did you switch? She's like, you're overthinking this. Just stick with your original pick. And it was like, wow. Fair critique. Did Simone yeah. have a weekend of you just like laboring over the uh, decision? No, no, no. I no. That came on my own. Totally inspired self decision this morning. Didn't seem like you were laboring much on Saturday. Seemed like you were having fun, yeah, having a nice Good time. time. Not laboring. The Bay Area up there in wine country. Yeah, you wine. There was some wine <laughs> during this weekend. I, I mean, you're be. a hit on social media. Everyone should should follow the the Instagram stories of Mark or just just live vicariously Thanks. through him. But and yeah. even even social media today, yeah. like you were as down on the Browns in the first half of this game. As as I've heard in a, in a while, certainly this season. It was the, the, and then they and then there they are forcing overtime and and making a game of but it. You know what else though? I have to say. They were plus four the Browns in the turnover battle, and the opposing quarterback uh, in overtime was an absolute train wreck, taking horrible sacks, could not hit the broadside of a barn, uh, a total mess, and somehow you you still lose. Uh, the Browns still have to figure out how to win some these games, and, and they're fun to watch. But they, I don't know if that's coaching. I think it is. Well, I still think I, they're I, a good well, coach one, away. Well, one the Jaguars talk about that, that turnover differential from last year to this. The right. Browns are like plus. They have like twenty turnovers right now, by far the most in the league, and they their record does not show that. They their quarterback is getting killed because of awful offensive tackle play right now, and and Hugh Jackson is not a difference maker in a good way. Well, when he he after the game said he's thinking about taking more onus on directing the offense, which is just another Hugh Jackson way of deflecting blame. And I've had I've had this thought in my head for a while. I want to run it by you. Just like Dan has this sort of what's maybe not the ideal, but the understandable way to go through this season that you can feel good about. And to me, if you're a Browns fan, it's I want to see Baker Mayfield play as well as possible. And if they're not going to make the playoffs, I want to see Hugh Jackson get fired. So that's kind of a weird thing to, to yeah. be rooting for. But I think ultimately long term, that's going to be best for the Browns. And that that stinks this year. But I don't think he's a good coach. Well, yeah, I think be you know what I mean? Like, I, I'd want them to go 6-10 and 10 and make a change. He essentially came out and said, I'm not going to sit here and watch the struggles on offense when my background is in offense. So to me, that <laughs> we know he has said it's Todd Haley's offense. He has said that. I'm going to keep my fingers off of it. And now this week sets up as whose offense is it going to be? The one thing that they – they, they traded Carlos Hyde, which I like the depth. I don't like they keep dumping these veterans and getting rid of them. Nick Chubb looks like the real deal. He's a great yeah. runner. I don't see an offense that's any better because Hugh Jackson is not uh, calling the plays. No, this is Todd much Haley be- has this a is good far preferable to last year and the year before. And there's one, just one more annoying 
Mark losing streak stat attached to the Browns. They are now three years and ten days without a road win. Almost got one today, but still searching. How about those Bucks though? Three and three, America's team. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> First down and goal from the eight. They give to Gurley. He's through the left side and into the end zone. Todd Gurley does it again. Ten straight games with a touchdown. That's your boy, Wes. J.B. Long, KSPN with the call. Todd Gurley scored three more touchdowns. My God, he's going to set the record. Uh, and Jared Goff threw two touchdown passes as the Rams whipped up on the overwhelmed 49ers. Final score, 39-10. to The Rams are 7-0. and Whoa. Four takeaways, a block punt, four sacks for Aaron Donald, forced fumble, fumble recovery. What? Mark, this was complete domination in all phases. It is, and you look at this, and you look at every Rams game every week and say 39-10, to 10, this offense, this offense, this offense. Today, at least in the first half, it was a showcase for the defense. They are so well coached, and the special teams that had a blocked punt at one point that triggered a safety to make it 12-0, which doesn't seem like a big play, except it was another example that this Rams team has essentially no weakness if they stay healthy. And I, do, and I went into the week saying I thought it was my favorite coaching matchup because of Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan learned basically that this is a week-to-week buzzsaw if you deal with the Rams. You, you have got to find a way to essentially remove all their weapons on offense. And there's too much happening. And what happened on defense was they generated three first-half turnovers. And unless you play a, get a perfect game against the Rams, you cannot... You're going to shoot yourself in the foot, and this will happen week to week. We've compared teams to the 89 Niners in the past where you dial up these late Sunday affairs and you know it's over by halftime. That is this Rams team. I don't know who stops them. Well, you, we, we know that Kyle Shanahan is one of the brightest offensive minds, and he's going up against a coaching staff. We have said on this podcast, Wade Phillips might be the best defensive coordinator in NFL history. Bones... Fossil oh. is is maybe the best special teams coach in the NFL, and Sean McVay to ever. my Let's mind go ever with him too. Okay, and Sean yeah. McVay to my mind is the the brightest offensive mind in the NFL today. That's what you're going up against every week when you face the Rams, yeah, and then a loaded roster on both sides. Yeah, right. This that- is is this a potentially historic team? Are we talking? Do we feel that good about the Rams? Because it seems like all the ingredients are there for that type of season. I, I, depends what you mean by historic. If you uh, mean fifteen and one and, and wins the Super Bowl and yeah, gets close sets to setting a, sets a record. Sure, yeah, they have that yep. chance, absolutely. Because it, as much as yeah, they have a loaded roster, and Aaron Donald had four sacks today in a in a game that's going to help his defensive player of the year candidacy at the end of the year. Just it's players like Robert Woods becoming a great a year. next level guy who you saw another team. You know, you saw him on the Bills. He wasn't yeah. that player when he was on the Bills. A guy like Corey Littleton. Who blocked year. Ha- blocked a punt today? How many blocked punts? Did I he think have? that's three, three or four? four on the year, and wow. and ha- led the team in tackles and had two sacks. So this is this is like the entire organization coming together because it's also the front office who recognized that Corey Littleton could take this yes. job and Wade Phillips coaching him up. Traded Ogletree. You trade Ogletree away. Littleton steps in, and it's like guys you never heard of suddenly turn into stars. Those are huge decisions in the offseason when you say this guy's good enough to start. Let's trade the expensive guy and put the money somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the standings. About less need. Just looking better and better. Remember when Les almost got fired a couple years ago? That's a well, good, that's a good job by ownership to keep him. Yeah. You're attached to one of the more nightmarish coaches around. That can happen. That's not the case anymore. All right. Here we go. You ready? Sure. Next week, home against the Packers. 
Packers, by the way, the desert people are putting them. Uh, they are. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, the desert people are, are more down on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers in the lineup than they've ever been for any other game. <laughs> Nicely well said. said. Really well said. Uh, I so, still want to know what that means specifically, but I'll have to find out. Yeah, I don't I'll think it'll you, take yeah. long for you to find out. <laughs> he already knows. Home against the <laughs> Packers at the Saints, home Seattle, mm. uh, home versus KC bye week. So I'm not going to go down the whole schedule, but that's what they need. Well, they're playing two of the gauntlet. best teams in the NFL that's in the next four weeks, month. and yeah. the other two are – are the Packers and Seahawks this are way, both playing well? If they can get through that undefeated, and they hit their bye week at eleven and zero. They got a real shot. Bye bye. At Detroit, shot. at Chicago, against the Eagles, they'll be tested. At Arizona, they will be tested. Home against San Francisco. Ooh, that Arizona just, game that sticks out there. If you're a Rams fan, just pray your starting quarterback stays healthy. I just do not want to see Sean Mannion mm. running this offense because I think that's the only weakness on the Rams. Well, unless it was like today, where you get the perfect Sean Mannion game, played two entire series. Didn't throw a pass. Well, they're protecting the quarterback series. well, too. Yeah. Wes, you and the Rams are the same, though. It's well, just, yeah. hey, listen, one week at a time. I mean, they're actually going out there on a field and doing it. Well, you know, Wes, I, this humility, I think what you've done is is arguably just as impressive. No, and I think it's pro- like if you can think of one <laughs> way to show that you're better at your job than everyone else and that you know more, it's absolutely yeah. picking one game a week where you can <laughs> that pick is, a favorite. That, that, that's the way yes, to do it. That is the flagship I, move. Like my record is a total reflection of the job I am doing providing analysis. I'm a three and four analyst right now. Well, you are undefeated. No, think how hard it is. Honestly, I'm gonna. T- Greg's being snarky, but I'm gonna turn it around. Uh, Mark, you're three and four. You're three and four. I'm four and three. It's hard to do it. And Wes has got seven in a row. Well, like it's I'm not saying it's easy. Literally. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm with Greg. Like, what's the actual accomplishment here? <laughs> a coin, a coin baby. could do better than us, especially since you could take favorites. Better than you, anyway. Better than me. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I don't think it takes a whole lot of acumen to go seven and zero oh and in, in picking Shut a lock. Now. I don't. I let, disagree. Don't let Greg bring you down. I know. I, I disagree. I I've always a thought team is gonna. Go, I'm gonna call. <laughs> picking games is does not really show your acumen as far as no. What but you picking know about one game a week. All right, can we move on? You are pretty proud of what you've done, the West quietly, no, secretly. I, I would say that. I'm That's more, why this is surprising because Wes has been puffing his chest out. No, 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 no. I'm I'm way more offended <laughs> by people who criticize my picks than I am proud of winning these picks. <laughs> Like, quit uh, being an idiot. Complicated. And anyone who has a problem with it can pound sand, come at me on Twitter, you'll be blocked in a heartbeat because you're adult and you're dead-ass wrong. <laughs> See, it's a very complicated issue. Finally. One more game. Andrew Luck out of the shotgun. Four Three receivers go left. Ball in the far hash. Drops the throw. Steps up. He's got time. Throws it right side to a wide open Marlon Mack. He's at the 20. He's at the 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. Marlon Mack. 29 yards away. And the Colts lead 13. Make it 12 to nothing. Matt Taylor, Jim Sorgi, Caroline Can, Colts Radio Network. Andrew Luck threw four touchdown passes. Marlon Mack at his first uh, rushing touchdowns of the season. The Colts blow out the Bills 37-5. That ends a four-game losing streak for the Colts. Greg, how do the Bills have two wins? Because this is bad. This is real bad. It it is so bad that I want to focus on the relevant team, and I don't think the Colts Colts are out of it. You know, that's what Wes said the other day. This is a crazy division where I think nine wins is getting you into the playoffs. And I, it was great to see them put together a complete game. Andrew Luck only had to throw it 23 times. He still got four touchdowns. Marlon Mack, it's not just that he's back. 
It's that he's a better player than he was as a rookie. And this happens, especially for late round picks from, you know, small school, learning a lot, learn from Frank Gore, whatever, whatever it is, he is a different player. He looks like a, a very good player right now. And he adds a lot to that offense. T.Y. Hilton was back, caught all four of his targets. They were all short passes, but got a couple touchdowns. And it was nice to just see this team come together. I think they got a shot. People like to have their fun at Jim. You Ursa's don't believe expense. it? Oh, no, I do. I do. They're, they're fun. You can have your fun at Jim Irsay's expense, but he said this about Marlon Mack before the year, that if he stayed healthy, he could be a 1,500-yard kind of back. I don't think there was ever a chance he was staying healthy with that workload, but but he can play. Well, he had – I mean, he's still getting a big workload, so we'll see. He had 21 touches today. The, the reason I took something from this game significant is that the Colts had 250 yards at halftime on this Bills defense. So I don't want to hear about Derek Anderson or whatever. The Bills offense stinks. We know that. They lost Michelle McCoy. But the Colts went up and down the field from minute one on these Bills. That's impressive. This balance is, was so needed, and but we've seen the Colts – operate on offense and get hot, and you do believe that they can come back. Their record is rough. I mean, you can't they can't pile up to any more losses. They need us to get on a streak here. But they're getting a lot of different guys. Look at Darius Leonard, 17 total tackles today. That Please. seems like par for the course. I guess, I guess my, my feeling, Greg, is like what – I didn't see this game, but what, it, what, what do you learn from this game? You know that they were going to score points because the Colts are scoring points against everybody. And I would defense, never have guessed you know, that they would put up – Derek Anderson – was going to be miserable. You knew that. I don't but know. It's that, like that's they didn't fair. sneak out of here 12 to 5. They just put up 37 right. points. I mean, it's like they took care of business. I learned a lot. Going into the week, the Bills had shut down some pretty pretty bad offense, but they've done a good job even when they played good opponents. They were okay. the number three defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders. In the first half especially, the fact that they came out immediately and put it on them and then just cruised, I, it's just good. But it's, also, if you're Buffalo, you lost LaShawn McCoy early. Yeah. And your your defense, how long can you ask this defense to overachieve when the offense cannot stay on the field and it continues to turn the ball over? Their season's over. And I'm sorry, but the Bills' season's over. And LaShawn Le- McCoy, whether he's on the field or not, has not made an impact for them. Nobody – I mean, it's just – that's a, a tough situation over there in Buffalo. This is a credit to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and Andrew Luck. When's the last time What's you What's your heard- favorite type of frog? <laughs> When's the last time you heard anyone talk about the Colts' offensive line? Yeah, they're a non-factor in a very good way. That, that's what I mean when we talk about all the lucky ways that these games end. So many teams could have different records. So it's like I just don't see them as any different than a lot of the three and four, or the four and three teams. To me, they're just the same, and and they have a little more upside to get better because they have Andrew Luck. The best thing going in that division right now is Andrew Luck. And they get the Raiders next week in Oakland, but go win a football game, and then home to the Jags, and you might be catching them at the right time. Home to the Dolphins. Who knows? Pretty nice setup for them to get uh, at or near 500, and then uh, all bets are off in that division. All right. Third and six. Mahomes, the caught wide open for the touchdown. Demetrius Harris. That was, I mean, that's easy, easy. Oh, yeah. The Patrick Mahomes train rolls on. Showtime, baby. No. Box off, not catching on. Uh, four more touchdowns for the uh, Chiefs MVP front runner. Kareem Hunt added 141 total yards and three touchdowns of his own. It wasn't even close. 45-10, Chiefs over Bengals. Sunday night football. That's right. Thursday night football. Sunday night football. Bookend uh, the last four days of action. Both 45-10 games. So, a little puncture wound, Greg, in the narrative that all the uh, primetime games have been great this season. Uh, but you know what? 
when the Chiefs are at home in primetime with this talent level and a Cincinnati team that's not ready for primetime, this is what happens. Yikes. They're, I mean, they're fun to watch even in blowouts. And then, you know, mid-third quarter, late-third quarter. This stress, this really puts go, the pressure Yeah, but go, go, talk to, go talk to your family. Go um, make meaningful connections. Write a letter to someone in prison. You know, do something with your life. Brandon Dassey. That's who I'm going to write a letter to. <laughs> I believe in you, Brandon. <laughs> All right. Patrick Mahomes is so reliable, though, in terms of, like we all of this seems normal now. We're just used to this. This is our normal. But if you had said before the season that he's just going to show up, throw four touchdowns, make five highlight reel plays every week, like it would have blown our minds. Even coming into this week, you shouldn't take it for granted that they're going to blow a, a decent Bengals team out of the water. This, to me, said a lot that they were able to respond and just wax a, a, a totally capable team like the Bengals it, like that. Yeah, and the question was – how on earth do the Chiefs get from here to the Super Bowl with their defense? And tonight they played a good offense and allowed 10 points, 4.4 yards per play, while putting up 550 yards of their own. And they have Denver, Cleveland, and the Arizona Cardinals up next. So we're not going to be able to tell much about them in the next month. I think if if you see their defense play, play well week after week, and I think they have shown signs over the last three or four weeks – of getting better on defense. They've at least had some good performances, including this one tonight. I mean, we've talked up the Bengals offense quite a bit. If if they if they're giving up two hundred and fifty to three hundred yards a game and in double digit points, that's not that's pretty good. Great. And, and let's check back in December when they play against real competition. Cincinnati falls to four and three on the season, so they were a whisper away from five and one. Seven days later they're four and three. The Chiefs six and one, they're three and zero oh at home. Uh, and this team has all the makings of a team that's going to go 7-1 or 8-0 at home, and if they can get that home field advantage. I know they got bounced out in a home game in that building last year, but this is different. This is a different team with a different quarterback and a different vibe, a different feel around this team. So, uh, yeah, the Bengals, this was not a pushover. This was not we, the other 45-10 game that started this week. That was a team lost at sea, the Cardinals, and that's what happens. But Cincinnati's a game. They'll probably bounce back and play well next week. You know, this is the type of team we're talking about, the Chiefs. They just kill teams that are not great. Anybody that's – anybody that well, – let me rephrase that. Any team that is not like an upper echelon team has a good chance to get steamrolled by this this Chiefs uh, unit. Well, they have one of the best young quarterbacks in football, one of the best young running backs in football, one of the best young wide receivers in football, one of the best tight ends in football. But I think this said something about the Bengals, though. They're not a good defense. They provide no – resistance lately that I don't think they're dominant enough on offense to survive that way. They were lucky to be in that game against Pittsburgh a week ago. I think their two worst games of the season are their last two. And the one before that, they were trailing 17, nothing against the dolphins before a couple defensive touchdowns right now. Like I, we were talking, I I think I have to, it's like, I don't know if the Bengals have peaked already, but I'm much less high on them Mm. right now than, than I was. And I definitely just look at the Ravens and Steelers. And I think now those two are better teams. So the Bengals are, are quietly morphing into every other Bengals game. We've covered as a group. There you go. It kind of Uh, evens out. You know what? I don't agree with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm wiping this one away. They almost beat Pittsburgh. I still believe that Cincinnati could be a make noise in the AFC, but this is not a good game. For I would just say it's, that some, of, some of the Bengals teams we've covered have gone eleven and five or twelve and four and oh, found a way out of the playoffs. So I think they're a bad is, team. But this team is fully capable of losing on the first Saturday of January. <laughs> they, they are, but give I, me no. I, I agree with that. They give can me a win little, though too. Give me a little. No, I mean than, they're that good. Right. 
I got you. Give me a little more than 148 yards passing by Andy Dalton against the Chiefs. That's all. I got you on that. Uh, Vontae's perfect, by the way. Uh, Caps a not a great uh, last few days. He gets fined over 100 grand, uh, gets killed in the media, rightfully so, for being a dirty player, and then suffers a hip hip injury. Before he suffered the hip injury, missed a slew of tackles. Played poorly. Then got hurt. Outside of the injury, I think that's everything that Vontae's perfect wants in a week. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so maybe a good week until Sunday night. Uh, all right, there you go. 45-10. Uh, that's it for uh, tonight's podcast. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening and supporting the show. And uh, that includes the great, iconic Keith Hansis, who's celebrating a birthday uh, today. Happy birthday, Keith. Wow, happy birthday. Yes, the Jets could not get uh, 52 da- years old, I believe. W- yeah, uh, 48, actually. 48. Could probably still roll out of bed and hit 750 in softball. Oh, yeah. But he's got a natural 300 stroke. 300 bowling. And a new <laughs> knee, so he might be making a return <laughs> to softball. If my my mom would probably step in, step in and say, no, you can't, but I'm not going to put anything uh, past Keith with a new bionic knee. So happy birthday, Dad. Love you. Um, that's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off. Four. Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Hey, check out the Twitter show Tuesday, 1.30 Pacific. Till then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.